Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to introduce you to a brand and their newest product, which I know many of you absolutely need to know about. And so that brand is SRC Health. Now, I can completely raise my hand here and say that I am such a fan of the SRC Health range. In particular, I lived in their recovery shorts after I had the boys, my twin boys, over seven years ago. And I can still remember feeling so supported and so glad that I had those recovery shorts. They have a whole range of incredible products, but today I want to introduce you to their product called the SRC Restore Uterine Prolapse and Continence Treatment Underwear. It is really, really important that we talk about incontinence and also prolapse. I've done podcast episodes before speaking about prolapse because it can often happen to women after they have a baby or babies that you find yourself dealing with either a mild or even a severe prolapse. It's so important if you have any health concerns that you do explore treatment options with your own healthcare provider it may be a great idea as well to connect with a women's health physiotherapist. But just know you are not alone. And this product was designed by women for women to support you and to help you so that you can live and laugh without fear of leakage. This product provides a new level of confidence and support for women who are suffering with mild urinary prolapse or mild stress urinary incontinence. As I said, it's a revolutionary product because it is specifically designed to actually address and aid the treatment and the cause of these concerns. This is not a product that is designed to deal with just the symptoms and the side effect. This is not a pad. This is an actual garment that can assist in the treatment of these health concerns, which is why it is so unique. It is designed to produce activity in the pelvic floor muscle to treat the cause which I just, I can't stress enough. It is so important to make strides towards the cause, not just going, oh, okay, now I can't jump and I can't laugh without having a pad on. So that's just my life now. That could be the case, or it's very likely that you can actually make strides towards improving this concern. And that's why it's important to treat the cause not just the symptom. When I was reading up on the reviews of this product, I actually got a little bit teary because I know so many women who have suffered in silence thinking that there's something wrong or that their body is failing them. And so it's so nice to read through these stories and these reviews of women who felt like that and were then able to turn around their conditions and gain so much more confidence 
in their body and in their ability. So definitely check out the reviews that are shared over on the SRC Health website. There's also a great video there explaining why this product was designed by women for women. It took them close to two years to nail this garment and it is such a high quality product. SRC Health really believe in their range, so much so that they offer a 100% money back guarantee, which is just incredible. Now today, I also have a code to share with you, which is going to give you 50% off. That's the biggest discount code I think I've ever shared here on the podcast. 50% off this product. So you can use the code all in capitals SRCREST 50%. That's the number 50 and then the percent symbol to take half of the price off when you check out. So head on over, check out srchealth.com. That code again, S-R-C-R-E-S-T, 50% to save today. I will put all of these details in the show notes. Definitely check out this product and just know you are not alone. So today's guest, Gabby Reese. I will tell you a little bit about Gabby in just a moment, but before I do, allow me a chance to gush. (laughs) Gabby is one of those women who I truly, truly admire. There is something special, something a bit magic, I personally think, about the mix of logical thinking that she applies to many situations in life, but also her vulnerability and authenticity and openness and her emotional intelligence and approach to everything from career to parenting to her relationship and her health and fitness. I really aspire to be similar to Gabby, to be completely honest, because anytime I've had the chance to listen to her speak or I've come across an interview or whatnot, I find myself just a little bit in awe at the way that she is able to share her message, speak about the things that she has learnt and the things that, you know, she's hypothesizing about in a way that is not preachy at all. She's the first person to put her hand up and say, this is what I think and this is what's working right now, but who am I to say so and who knows what the future will hold. And I think I just so connect with that probably more than ever because I have been very, very honest in sharing this that, you know, I really thought I knew certain things and then the universe just knocks you on your butt and it humbles you and you realize that sometimes you just don't know. I hope that makes sense. But anyway, I admire Gabby. I really enjoyed speaking with her. We cover a lot of things. We speak about her relationship with her husband, Laird, which did not get off to the most conventional of starts, but they have been together for 25 years. We speak about that. We talk about the early days of mothering. We speak about a lot. So I will let you get stuck into that conversation, but a little bit of context about Gabby. Not only is she a volleyball legend, but she's an inspirational leader. She's a New York Times best-selling author, wife, as I mentioned, and mother. She is a former professional beach volleyball player and she was Nike's first female spokeswoman. She is the creator of High X, co-founder of XPT and executive member of Laird Superfood. Gabby is dedicated to building and leading health and fitness methods. She also has her own podcast as well, the Gabby Reese podcast, which I will link in the show notes as well. And I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. So let's get stuck into my chat with Gabby Reese. Gabby, thank you so much for making time in your day to have this conversation with me. I've been so looking forward to it. Oh, well, thank you for having me. That's, you know, it's always, it's, you're never unhappy when someone wants to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the person, but I promise you that I'm thrilled to be here and chat. I always really enjoy hearing you speak in particular about your, your approach to your relationship and parenting. 
anytime I hear you talk about these topics, I find myself just nodding along. And of course, there are a million different ways to have a relationship and so many different approaches that, you know, it's never going to be a one size fits all. But I so connect with a lot of your approach. So I'd love to explore that with you today. And to begin with, you have mentioned before that you and your husband, Laird, who have been together for 25 years, you didn't have the most obviously ideal, makes total sense on paper beginning. Can you take us back 25 years ago and share with us what that looked like for you? Yeah, well, I had flown, I lived in California. I was, I moved there to play volleyball um, professionally on the beach and, and, um, and I was doing a when I when I was about 22, and then when I was 25, I I by that time I was started had been doing quite a bit of television, where I would interview other athletes, and um, and one of this series of shows uh, I was going to go to Hawaii and sort of do five or six shows at once and do all these different kinds of athletes, and one of the athletes um, I was going to be uh, interviewing was somebody that was part of about eight people who were doing this new sport called toe in surfing. And this is in 1995. And, and I was like, okay. And one thing about me is especially at work and around athletes, I like, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty friendly, but I'm also, um, pretty professional and, and also probably the not, I'm not really a flirtatious person. And so I went to go to work and, um, it was interesting by then it was already, I had probably done over, I don't know, 65 shows or something. There was a lot of people who had responded, um, and Laird didn't have a lot of mainstream attention. It was sort of only in surfing, but it was weird. Like I went and got my hair done in West Hollywood before, and the guy asked me, "Well, who are you interviewing for Toe and Surf?" And is you know, do you know who Laird Hamilton is? And I was like, "Whatever." And it was just like all these different people. And so on the day I went to there, you know, Laird is a very intense person. He is also not flirtatious. He had a wedding band on. Um, And so I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be a really like kind of intense day with this person. And, you know, you do your homework. This is like when you get all the information on a fax machine. There's no Internet. And um, what had happened is Laird actually didn't even know that much about me or that I was an athlete. And so he was like, okay, a TV presenter, whatever. And after the interview, he was a lot nicer because I think he understood that I understood certain things just as far as, you know, preparation and things like that. So common ground. Yeah. And so we were out in the water. And one thing you get from Laird, no matter what, is what you see is what you get. Like when you meet Laird and you spend time with him, you think, okay, this person is genuinely who they are. Right. So we, we got in the water. This is before, but you know, GoPros and things like that. So now we're kind of alone. We don't have audio on. We're, we're now we're meant to surf and small, very small waves. And I say to him, oh, it's, um, oh, your mom, where does she live? Oh, she lives on Kauai, we're on Maui. And I said, oh, do you get to see her? He goes, I don't, we don't see her that often. And I go, well, I'm sure, because I knew he had a wedding band on. I said, I'm sure, like, when you start having a family or whatever, you you will. And um, he's like, oh, well, I have a four-month-old daughter. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, you have all that kind of figured out in your life, you know? And he said to me, he was like, and it was strange. He was like, yeah, I, he said something sort of under his breath. Like, I'm not really sure how that's going or something like that. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Because typically I'd known male athletes sometimes to say that as like a, almost like they're just, they're almost deflecting their real life. And if they're in the presence of a young single woman or whatever, long story short, I go two days and, and I, and I remember saying goodbye to Laird thinking I felt sad that I knew I was never going to see that person again, but I really felt like he was very special. Then two days later, I was out deep sea fishing for the show. The audio girl, important, was from Maui, as well as one of the cameramen. We brought two and we used one. And he said, wow, I've never seen Laird act like that. He had shot Laird quite a bit. He goes, you must have inspired him. I go, what do you mean? He goes, Laird is not that cooperative typically. And she said... (laughs) I feel really sorry for Laird. I go, why is that? She goes, well, he and his wife had been having difficulties and then she got pregnant. I think he's sleeping in his barn. So long story short, and I, I'm a person who like, I would never, I don't want to get, I don't want to have hassles, you know, like I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so on paper, 
Laird lived in Hawaii. I lived in California. He had a four month old daughter. He was, you know, in or out of a marriage. It was just like, it didn't, you know, it wasn't right. It didn't and when make I, sense on paper. Yeah. It didn't. And, and about, and then we, we, we spent more time together on that trip. And when I got on the airplane three days later from the first day that I met Laird, everything in me was like, I, I actually really think that's like my guy. And what was weird is also, I'm not, I was not that kind of girl. Like I was independent. I was an athlete. I was making very good money. I wasn't look like a really, like you're looking for a boy, like a relationship. I wasn't. And so I was a bit of a brute, I think that way. And, and meeting Laird, I don't know. And, and I remember thinking to myself, this isn't a game. Like, are you ready to be take it all on a stepmom, a step, be a stepmom, care for a child. Um, you will inevitably have a relationship. Like his ex-wife is my family. After all these years, we've, you know, co-parented and she was very generous with my oldest daughter. And it was like one of those things where you don't get to experiment so much. It was like, do you think you can handle it? And, and we lived together, you know, like a, a little over a week later. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? I always love hearing stories like this because I think sometimes people get very much in their head about having a certain checklist and how it's going to look. But these things that come up, they're only a problem if that person is not your person. And also one thing about Laird, this was a really crappy situation, but Laird also was honest the whole way through. And that I think was very important. Laird wasn't playing games or whatever. One thing about Laird, he went and he dealt with the situation at home. He was very transparent and clear. I will tell you something really quick that I learned from a boyfriend of mine that I think I might've ended up kind of with if I had not met Laird. Um, he was an incredibly great person. He was handsome, successful, smart. He came from a nice family. What I mean is he was a trustworthy, good guy. Um, and he said to me, it was so wise. He said, you know, uh, Gabrielle, I have a lot of great qualities. He's like, just not the ones you're interested in. Mm. Because so important that your qualities align. Yeah, because him on paper, this previous boyfriend, you go, what is, like, I'm sure people go through this. Like, they go, what is wrong with me? They have all these qualities, but it's just not my jam. And I realized also with Laird, I wasn't looking for a nice guy. I was looking for a, a, a good person. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And I think that the universe has this way of serving us up what we actually need not what necessarily is the perfect checklist checklist well and it's also someone maybe who will bring out your best qualities i have a lot of innate reverence for laird because laird and not in a violent way he's just a scary person so you know he's showing up every day in such a way that you're like oh i have to show up this way and also i think i was walking around i'm six foot three and everyone's like, oh, you're so intense. You're so this, you're so that. But when I was with Laird, I was highly feminine. And so it was also being in that scenario. The balance, that's right. And it is, it's a different thing being with someone who knows their edge and lives to their edge. Well, yeah. And then you don't have to be apologetic if you're trying to be intense or you're determined about certain things either you know professionally or what other they, they're like yeah great good you know that's great yeah they're not intimidated bothered or bothered by it yeah and so having met and fallen in love with Laird while your eldest daughter was so young I'm sure that that would have had challenges but also gifts and I imagine one of those gifts would have been some sort of insight into how Laird would be as a dad and also the reality like the practicality of caring for a little one and then eight years later you welcomed your second daughter what was that transition into motherhood like for you? You know, I think um, for me, I was really nervous. I I was a I th I felt like I was a really good stepmom because I I was so dedicated to doing the right thing um, and and doing right by by Bella by my daughter and um, and so having my own daughter and just the way that I grew up, I was very inside deeply unsure if I would 
if I could be um, vulnerable and, you know, I think I was really concerned about my abilities to be a nurturing parent because I think I have a different language of nurturing. And sometimes when I see other women and they have a different tone in their voice and just the way that they do things, I was like, I wonder how I'm going to do this as me, who I am as a person. Um, and that always concerned me for sure. It still does. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, as new parents, there's no doubt that we go through our own identity shift, I think. And like you said, it's that, you know, the awareness of how am I going to be a nurturer? How am I going to do this? And, you know, so many things change from our identity if we really strongly identify as what we do for a job or in your case, you know, you're an athlete. And then the practical caring and the mental load it's really common for the wheels to kind of fall off when it comes to putting effort into relationships. What are some of the things that you feel that you and Lair did really well to navigate through those early postpartum days and also just, I guess, in general, the longevity of your relationship? Well, I think there's a couple things during my pregnancy because I felt good. So I want to honor if people don't have, if they have a tough pregnancy. So I kept moving. And so what happened is once I had Reese and then, you know, later I had my other daughter Brody, you know, what happens is you look in the mirror, all of a sudden your world is completely different. But what I felt because I always say when you actually need to be your strongest is after the baby comes, because now you're working without sleep, you're nursing if you're able to and you choose to. So you have all these dynamics, right? So I think I went into it um, and not I wasn't a psycho like, oh, I have to be fit. It's like I, that's not what I meant. I just kept moving. And so when the baby came, I uh, and I was, you know, already 33 with my first and uh, biological and almost 38 with my second. So I wasn't like I was super young. My body went back. And also, I think having the ability to um, take out emotion, there was some times where I was like, oh, I think I'm going crazy because I my kids were not great sleepers. And I was like, oh, no, you have to get a hold of yourself. And this is a temporary state. So just, you know, um, do your best to keep it together. But I think the other thing that Laird and I did very well is Laird treated me. And I've said this many, many times. Laird treated me still like his girlfriend. And um, so as I was in the in one of the largest states, maternal states, you know, of nursing and that quiet that you when you first have your children, Laird still made me feel adored. And also like he saw me as a person, which was important to me to at least be like, hey, I will do give everything to this family and to this child and serve everybody. But to be seen still gave me a lot of power um, to help me continue to almost, I always say, it's like you stay open as a flower. And so to have a partner that does that, they help you. And then I think the other thing is that, that love, that adore, adoring kind of attitude made me then treat him still like my guy. And, um, and so I think we, we, we do that very well. We stay in those dynamics where there's still the shred of, us as individual human beings, then us as a male and a female in a romantic relationship, then us as a couple in a, as a couple, then us as a family, people who are in a family together. Um, and I give Laird a lot of that credit because of the energy he brings by the way that he treats me and it evokes that response from me. Mm, There's a special sort of alchemy, I think, that happens when you do continue to see each other as individuals. And of course, you are going to wear the hat. You're going to be in those roles of mom and dad and the family unit, but to not lose sight of each other as a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And I've heard you say this. I've heard you say in interviews, Gabby, like, you know, I'll say to Laird sometimes, hey, today you treated me like a wife. And I was telling my boyfriend this because I have, I've been married before and I've been going through a divorce and I have a boyfriend and he's brilliant. And I was saying to him, you know, when I heard you say that, I was like, yes, that is part of like the secret source. I think of longevity. It's to remember that, you know, you don't know everything, every thought that your partner has and to treat them like they're still that interesting boyfriend or girlfriend rather than the old ball and chain. 
Yeah, I mean, if if you want to see somebody shut down, if you're a female, go ahead and nag and try to constrain a male. And if you're um, a male and you want to watch it happen, take your female for granted. Don't listen when she talks. But the flip side of that is I don't bend Laird's ear. When I have something to say, I say it. If I need some chirping time, I save that for my girlfriends. Mm. Um, and so it's it's also like it, it's also sometimes feeding those fires and and to be honest and this is not everybody this is my take this is not for everybody there's I have um, discretion with Laird I sometimes I and I don't it's not a hold back but certain things I still am acting you know like discreet. And I think that hasn't been damaging for our relationship um, in a, in a, in a different way. It doesn't mean Laird doesn't know everything about me, but I think I have that discretion with everyone. Like there's just certain things I will go. I don't need to be like, Oh my God, I just went to the bathroom. It stinks. You know, it's like, it's like there's a bit of mystery. I think so, but it's not about games and BS and like, ooh, because I don't have time. I actually really don't have time for that. But it's just about a little bit of that discretion. And, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying really hard to walk through my life with a little bit of grace. I I'm, I don't always do it, but that means um, – uh, you know, I even take a beat, you know, if I take a moment before I have a response, cause I go like the person that I'm trying to be, is that the way that I want to respond? And uh, listen, I blow it of course, but on the things that, you know, that you can be in charge of, I think that that has helped with the dynamic. And I know it sounds brutal, but if we're having the real conversation, I, it is very clear to Laird and I make it very clear without saying anything. You're here because you choose to be, if you don't want to be here, I don't care if we have children, properties, businesses, which all of this is true. You're here because you want to be here. So that's on you. If it, like, don't act like you're doing anyone a favor. And then the flip side of that is, you know, I think Laird knows that I've always created a, my life in a way to be independent enough so that it's clear that I'm here because I want to be, and because I, I want to be with him and choose to, because I don't, I think it gets really hard when people start feeling like I don't really have a choice. And I think that creates another dynamic. Well, I think when that happens, that's when resentment builds and resentment is so dangerous in relationship because it's a really hard one, I think, to navigate away from. And you've touched on so many important things just in that answer alone from how important it is to, I guess, keep attraction alive. And, you know, as you said, a bit of discretion. I interviewed an amazing woman by the name of Wednesday Martin, and mm -hmm. she, um, she speaks a lot about how domesticity is one of the biggest intimacy killers in relationship for women when they've been in a long-term partnership. So I think just that little bit of discretion and as you said, you know, if you need to chirp, if you have to vent, not making Laird your everything, of course you're going to share the important things with him, but you know that if you, you know, if you need to sort of just be listened to for 15 minutes of whatever it is, perhaps that's more suitable to do on a walk with a girlfriend. Well, a hundred percent. And, and I'll take it a step further because I, I've got, you know, I'm a little older is I even have gotten to a place where certain things I don't want to give a life to. And if I know it's like my ego's reacting and I want to punish somebody and like whatever, because of my ego, I won't even, I've gotten to the place where I'm like, how can you, how can you look at this? Okay. I'm honest with myself. And I go, Oh, you're feeling like that. And you want to throw your weight around or show them how smart you are or show them whatever. Cool. And then what I might do is like weirdly vent it to myself. And then I sometimes will say, I'm going to give myself a guilty pleasure. So what is, I could be a private, I'm by myself, no one's around, the kids are asleep, um, some ridiculous movie or show that I wouldn't watch with Laird. Um, because what I'm also trying to do now is so many things that we talk about that we're filling the airspace with is so much mumbo jumbo that I'm also even trying to do it to the next level, which is like, do I need to give that more energy and more life? But how do I make myself feel better? 
right? Mm-hmm. It's not about shoving it, eating it, packing it. Or I might even say, I might say to Laird, Hey, I, I need to confess like a super ugly thought and thing. And I, what I do is I just present the scenario and go, yeah. And da da da. And then it's over. But I've, I got, I got, I was allowed, but it was still done in a way that was like, kind of almost like as an observer of the feelings. Mm. I think it's so nice when you can have a conversation with the person you're in a partnership with and say, hey, I'm having this thought. It doesn't necessarily... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Necessarily mean it's true, nor is it a direct reflection of you. It's just a thought that's coming and it's passing through. And I love how you are really, really clear with speaking straight, but also acknowledging, okay, I probably don't need to, I guess, you know, roll this snowball down the hill and let it get too much momentum because it might not necessarily be true. I can just vent it to myself, do something to make myself feel better. And, you know, that. I think that that's just so wise. Well, you know what it is too? And it sounds cliche. It's just discipline because it's sort of like, sometimes we get that impulse. Like I want to, I'm going to like every friend I talk to today, I'm going to tell them about this interaction I, I had with this person that I think acted like a schmuck or whatever. And instead it's like, wait, let me see if I can exercise a little discipline and just let it be. And then the other thing that happens is instead of it becoming that snowball, it eventually just kind of blows away into nothing And then once you start to practice it, it becomes easier and easier. I love that. That's so, so helpful to hear. And something else that I've heard you speak about is just the importance of owning your own happiness and your own contentment. You know, I've heard both you and Laird say, you know, in reference to one another, you go and get happy and then come back. And I think that that's a big lesson for me, like going through a divorce and a relationship breakdown, particularly, you know, we've got young kids as well, just learning how important it is not to be codependent on either your partner or your kids to be the source, like the sole source of your happiness and to take ownership for your own. It's obviously really important for you guys. So how does that show up for you on a practical level? You know, I think it's, it's the, it goes back to that thing where before I'm a woman, I'm, I'm just a person, you know, and, and actually sometimes I try to be the spirit of myself versus the physical form of myself, because then that's where we're in touch with, well, what makes me feel good and connecting with people and thoughts and ideas and learning and all these things. So I have to live my life according to the things that make me feel good. So you could look at Laird and I and go, oh, they're very similar. They're active. We're actually very, very different. And, um, you know, Laird's need to be in the ocean and all of these things. And, and also simultaneously his, his quests and his accomplishments, whatever, you know, things those are, um, those are for me to celebrate and support him, but they're not mine. And, um, for, I can't live vicariously. I can be so happy for him, but I, I can't live vicariously. And certainly through my children, right. I, I can't say, well, um, I see a lot of it with, with sports. You'll see a parent that's up their kid's butt about sports and you go, Oh, that's a frustrated athlete. They never got to do it themselves. So I think it's about checking in and, and it's harder for women because our tendency and it's natural is to put everyone and everything in front. But I always say within that is to keep asking yourself, what's going to make me feel good? Who, who do I need to be as a, just as a human being, not as somebody's mom or somebody's wife, who am I? And it is on me to go figure out how I can have that opportunity to parallel path and walk down that road as I simultaneously am being a mom and someone's wife and maybe in my business, because that's the other thing is, I like the challenges of my business, but even that can't 
ultimately define me because we have to be careful with that. It's, it's the other part of us. It's that part of us that's quiet, that is tied. Our value is tied to this part, this part that we control, how we feel, how we treat people. And because that's the thing that is sustainable, everything else, the kids are going to get big, your marriage, maybe it goes, maybe it doesn't, you're going to be older, all of that, none of it's sustainable. You're not going to be the CEO forever. So that other part of me that has that, that peace and that spirit, um, and, and to be really clear, and it might change from time to time and keep, you know, updating it and be ferocious about protecting it. Absolutely. What I'm hearing there really I'm connecting to because identity has been such a big one for me because I think for so long, you know, I was like, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. And then you go through a marriage breakdown and it's like, oh, hang on. I'm not a wife anymore and I don't have my kids 100% of the time because we have shared custody and it's been such an eye-opener for me to go, okay, what is it that I need or what is it that I want to really make up my self-identity and its value? And I love what you said about how you try and connect with the spirit of yourself. I think that's really, really important. Um, So thank you for sharing that in particular. How old are your children? They just turned seven. I've got twins. Oh, that no wonder you, your marriage had a breakdown. Well, you know what? They say multiples. If you have multiples, you have over a 60% chance I mean, of a marriage breakdown. Yeah. I mean, listen, people have to be kind to themselves. And I think when I hear something like that, the other thing I'm curious about, um, and I want somebody to do a study on it, is... I often wonder, and I'm not, I'm definitely not talking about your, your situation. I'm just saying like in general, I often wonder if marriage is why nobody talks about also the intimacy part. Like, let's say somebody, every couple has sort of like a number, like maybe Laird and I have a different kind of chemistry that, okay, we're so far we're, we're in it. But I often wonder if people just get tired of having sex with each other. And then it's like, Hey, we did this. It was great. You know, and nobody ever talks about just the chemistry part. And, and maybe they could say, okay, the chemistry deteriorated because we didn't have good communication or we took, you know, we didn't appreciate each other enough. We didn't, you know, um, water the flowers enough. Okay. I'm sure all that put, you know, was part of it, but then you go, Hey, maybe people come together, they make a family, the kids go come out and they're here and they're good. And then maybe it's like, no, we did it. Like we have been successful. That was what we were doing. And I, I don't know. I, I'm always interested, but when I hear about twins, I give people, Laird and I could not have survived one more child and or twins, I don't think, to be honest, because we're too selfish. It is a wild ride and it's definitely, I mean, it's a baptism of fire. There's nothing like having two newborns to really, really shake things up. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was very focused on being a good mom and being a good wife. And I think that I let go of other areas of my life. And that was one of my fundamental areas. And that's why I think I really enjoy hearing you speak because I've been able to learn so much more about how important it is to not look to your partner or your children to be everything. And, you know, I just, I was just recording a podcast episode earlier about lessons that I've learned this year. And that's been a huge one for me. It's like the universe just serving you up a big piece of humble pie of going like, okay, this is what you thought, but this is how your path is going to be different. And it's so interesting. Um, But yeah, it's certainly a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, listen, what I, you know, having three daughters, and now my youngest is 12, my middle 17. I, um, when I say that I have been flipped on my back, um, to all of the things that I thought to, to how it is. And everyone always jokes like, ha ha, teenagers, whatever, but they don't actually really tell you in certain ways and in a good way, how uncomfortable it can be. And, and also if you are raising children that you're encouraging them to have a point of view and to speak their mind, you're not just trying to control them that you will get your ass kicked in a, in a very different way. Um, and one that I think you can come out of 
better, you know, ahead, maybe with your eyes more open, if you're willing to go through that uncomfortable process of hearing what they're saying, willing to look at changing, um, and, and also it overflows into everything else. It, it, it kind of go, then you, you do that more readily in your relationship. You can do it in your work more. And it's just like that thing of like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. This is, you know, uncontrolled waters. Uh, let me take a look at it. And it's, I think it's very interesting. It really is. And I mean, I'm only seven years into parenting, but it has been so transformative like there is nothing that holds a mirror up to you like parenting and as you said if you're willing to go through it and it's that conscious parenting it is I was gonna say a tool but that doesn't sound right but a tool I guess or a journey of like so much personal growth and development when you do allow that mirror to be held up because when you're raising kids it's you're raising yourself Oh, exactly. And by the way, if people are dating somebody and they go, oh my gosh, they're like, you know, layered, like, oh, he loves to live on the edge and all these incredible things. Yeah. I was like, I didn't think that through. What's that like to parent, you know? And then you have a kid, one of my kids is more similar to her dad and you just go, oh, wait a second. Because, and that's true. Like both of us are non-compliant people. We've made it work in our favor. However, why would we think that our children would be compliant? They're not compliant at all. Mm, and there's that that dichotomy, isn't there? Like that straddling of you really want to encourage that, but it's also confronting as a parent. And I have it with my two boys now and I try and encourage that dialogue and like Lord help me when they're teenagers, but I will let them win sometimes, you know, you've got to let them come to you with, you know, and plead their case and share their opinion. And that can be tricky. It is tricky. And then you're teaching them the skills though. And that I think is the most, when it's happening, you, you remember that all that messiness and the thing that, and you're giving them the space to say, well, this is how I feel. Whether you go like, Oh, what do you know? You, you know, you're seven, but that you remember, but I'm helping them get practice into standing up for their feelings into have engaging in a dialogue into even engaging in a disagreement a, a healthy disagreement. Um, and, and weirdly, it's like you want to respect quote authority, but you actually don't want to raise children that just follow the rules to follow the rules. They question, they go, well, why would we go there? And why does that make sense? And who are you to tell me? I think that these are important things for all people to have to not only for their own life, but to, to question things, you know, Mm, absolutely raising questioners and little examiners it can be tricky and I'm sure that I'm in for a wild ride when they're teenagers as well um, but I think that you raise such great points there and something else I'd love to get your opinion on Gabby is fulfillment and purpose because I'm lucky enough to connect with a lot of women online but also in real life when we were able to <laughs> before this year hold events and whatnot but a common thread is for women to feel you know full and to feel a sense of fulfillment and sometimes that feels more like being stretched but from being a mum having purpose of being a mum but still noticing some sort of lack within and then there's this almost like this innate guilt that I see women struggle with you know they think oh I should just be satisfied with what I've got but then they're also longing for more and so I would love to know because I know that you are a doer and an achiever as well as a mum what would you say to any women who are listening right now who might be struggling with that that dichotomy of feeling full and stretched but also longing for more for themselves you know, I think that's that that question that question has a lot of different facets. So what I mean is sometimes like when you have a very small child, a baby, a, a, a toddler, you, you have to realistically go, you know what, this is kind of what I'm doing now for now and giving yourself like a break almost. Right. It'd be like if you if we said, hey, we're going on a hike and it's pouring rain, you wouldn't say, well, we said we're going on the hike. You'd say, well, it's raining. You'd know like this is what's happening. And so then as your child grows, I likened it to a fire. And when I had my girls and they were very young, I was um, naturally 
like all, you know, most parents, I really was dead serious about being with them all the time. And I didn't leave them, you know, uh, probably until they were about three, I wouldn't, I would never spend the night away from them. And, um, but I always said it was like, I have a little fire. This fire is me. And when they're little, I just blow on it a little, a little. So maybe, you know, you keep trying to learn or listen to a podcast in four minute increments. I train just enough to keep my act together. And then as they got older and more independent, I blew a little more on that fire and then said, okay, well, I'd like to take those meetings or I would like to shoot that job or what have you. And then uh, certainly now that they're older, um, but also weirdly, they need you the most when they're teenagers. That's a whole real conversation. Um, is that you could, because their schedules are different, you could put sort of more energy onto that fire and let that blaze get bigger and hotter. And so it's also telling a woman, listen, if you've just had a new baby, give yourself a break, you know, like, and also have the faith, you know, have that faith. Like you're not going to get left behind. It's okay. Be there, be still, because what it, everyone goes, it happened so fast. It kind of really does. And even though, what do they say? Fast years, long days, long days, fast years. It may feel like an eternity. It may feel like the world is spinning without you. Would you ever be caught up? Would anyone remember you? They certainly will. And the power you get in serving your family and your children is, you know, unquantifiable. And so to just be still and have that faith... And I do think guilt, for whatever reason, seems to be a natural kind of co-partner for mothers in parenting. And I don't know why. Um, You know, I joke about it. I'm too nice. No, I'm not mean enough. I spend too much time. No, I don't spend enough time. I didn't read them enough books. Oh, da, da, da. You know, it's like, oh, my God. You know, and so I think that 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 just lives there. And I'm not sure why. Um, But I think it's it's really for the women to be still and to just keep her sense of self alive but but also simultaneously you can't get frustrated or resentful that let's say your partner they're they're having a different experience because that's the issue we're contrasting our experience with our partner's experience and they if they're a male and they didn't birth the child and they're not nursing the child they are not going to have the same experience Yes, I think honoring the season that you're currently in, and when I say season, I mean the season of your life, honoring that, and it's so important, and you bring up such a great point about comparing your experience to your partner's, and even a step further from that, these days, comparing yourself to everyone on social media, I always have women reach out and they'll say I've just had a baby, how can I get back into shape, or you know, how soon did you get back into the gym and things like that and I'm always trying to be very explicit and saying please don't judge where I am now with seven-year-old twins against where you are with newborn twins or a newborn singleton like it's all so different and you know when the boys were little I was only able to work out in 10-minute blocks in the garage when they slept and so it's that awareness and I love I love your response it's so important to honor where you are Well, and also let's remember this. If anything we're feeling is because of fear, it's not really serving us anyway. So when we're like, well, how can I get back in shape? That's just a fear that we're measuring ourselves against some BS in the outside world. Just keep asking yourself, how am I doing? Oh, am I, should I work a little harder? I have more time. You know what? I can, I can put the bagel down, like use yourself as the litmus test. And do not do any of it from fear because that's a complete, it's a bummer, you know. Mm, and speaking of fear and comparing ourselves to people outside, having three daughters and your own social media following, how do you moderate? Well, I guess perhaps you're not moderating their use of it given their ages, but how do you go about setting a healthy example of using social media? I, in everything in my life with my girls, I've learned something's really important. Um, They're not listening to me. They're watching me. So how I present myself as a person, as a woman, um, you know, they're watching. And what I see is overall, they have some natural sort of teenager things that they're doing that I recall doing myself. 
Um, and it's sort of giving them that space to be like, ooh, I, I think I'm cute, you know, and like, what do you think, you know, and unfortunately, they do it on a platform, they used to do it, you know, before it was just at school, and when you when you went, and you hung out, but now it's like this bigger thing. But what I see they all have is um, a pretty good uh, handle on their presentation, um, what their value is, um, because I think they have been surrounded by people who really talk a lot about learning and growing and service and taking care of yourself. Um, they know a lot of badass women that are smart. They know who they're attracted to and why their dad gives them a lot of love. So I think, you know, we've talked a lot about currency, but if I'm going like, I don't, how do I look there? That's what I'm saying to them. So if I, if I'm like, Hey, this is who I am. And some days I'm like, Ooh, looking a little tired, but really that's not what I present as my cur currency. Um, I think they're going to get it. Um, but I, listen, the, the social media TikTok for my youngest, I, you know, I, I, I have, I'm on a complete fail for that. If I could be honest. Oh, I have no idea about TikTok either. I downloaded the app and I opened it and it just seems so full on that I was like, oh, I can't deal with that. Um, so I am with you there. But I think you're so right. It all comes back to role modeling. Even when women reach out to me and say, hey, how can I teach, you know, my primary school children to be grateful? It's just role modeling it. Be that. Well, that's it. And, and also being reminded as a parent, which is one of the hardest they will choose to be who they are going to be. So you can give them input, you can give them opportunity, exposure, surround them with people. And still at the end of the day, they're going to make their choices. Absolutely. Oh, there's so much surrender in parenting, isn't there? Oh, it's, it's, you know, Laird always says parenting is the last, you know, sort of bastion for us to grow up. He's like, they would call it kidding if it was about them. He goes, this is about us growing up. And I think it's also sort of a jolt of another opportunity to go forward in your life and not to be, you know, locked in like cement, but to go, oh, I was starting to dry and harden in my thoughts, my beliefs, my practices. And now I've been kind of leveled. And I've got to look at it again. And I think if we look at it that way as this real opportunity, um, it's a little less painful and it makes it enjoyable. Absolutely. And also realizing, I think that, you know, it's like, it's like work, like the work is never done. It's always there. You know, we just get to revisit it. I think I lost you for a second. No, I'm here. Yeah. I oh, think awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, listen, you said it surrender and love. And every time I'm angry, it's cause I'm afraid. Mm, absolutely. You know, with my, with my kids, if I snap out or whatever, I'm angry because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Oh, she's not going to have friends. Oh, she's going to grow up entitled. Oh, uh, she's not going to take care of herself, you know, and that's my own trip I'm putting on them. So important to always go inwards and treat the symptom, not just the cause of what's happening. But Gabby, I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I'm aware that it's probably getting close to you finishing your day because you're in Hawaii and it must be getting close to like 6 p.m. there. So I won't take up much more of your time. But before we finish, I would love to ask you just a handful of quick questions that we ask all of our guests here. I'm ready. Awesome. The first one is, can you recommend a book, like a must-read book that you absolutely love? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, I, I mean, this one's the most current. I listened to a series of lectures, um, re-listened to it uh, in the last, like, month. Uh, it's called Awareness. It's by Anthony DeMello. It's been around a very long time. Um, and it just kind of whispers to some ideas that are really important because 
really right. It's like our own narrative for ourselves, And then we can be, then we're all these other things. So it's for me, it's sometimes like, I'm just listening to things for myself. And then I'm like, Oh, maybe I could apply that to parenting and such. So it's a, it's a beautiful series of lectures. There's about 58 lectures. Each one is about three minutes. They combine compiled it into this lecture called awareness. And, um, and it's just really beautiful and uplifting and, and, uh, but it's, it's very direct. I love that. I will definitely be adding that one to my list. Um, now, do you have a habit that you are most proud of? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I'm, a, I, I'm in certain ways and it's just been my lifestyle. I'm, I'm a pretty diligent person. So I, 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 I try to do have a lot of follow up, if you will. I always say that being uh, responsive as a person is important. So in my work, in my personal life. Um, but I, I do have a habit that I think is important that helps me, which is, and I've shared this before, when I leave my bedroom every morning, um, I try my best to set the tone for how I would like to be. And if I'm not there, because sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and by the way, I'm not like, uh, you know, a, a skipping, smelling flowers kind of person. I have a pretty, in, you know, kind of intense personality. It's like, I go, okay, but the you have to make the choice you're choosing. How do you want to be? And then I put myself together and I don't mean with like tons of makeup and stuff, but I am together. I don't come out of my room just like disoriented, disheveled. I'm together because it's my way of saying, okay, here's my starting point. Now I can take on the day. I love that. I'm very much the same. I like to just always be up before the kids are, have five or 10 minutes to myself or even longer, coffee in silence, get dressed. And then I feel like I'm ready to face whatever is thrown at me. So I really relate to that. Do you have a habit that you would say is annoying? <laughs> An annoying habit that drives your family mad? Oh, yeah. I I think I'm... Um... Wow, there's so many. I think my commitment to work and buttoning things up, sometimes I can, I should hit it more on pause and be like, it can wait. Um, I think I'm annoying about wanting the house to have, as I always say, I want the neutral environments organized because it helps me function better. And, you know, my 17 year olds, like you, like, you know, you're like a little crazy. Right. And I'm not like, I'm not obsessive, but I'm pretty heavy duty about, let's keep a baseline that we can all function from. And I always tell them, listen, I don't think it's, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's the way that I can function more clearly. My mind is clear when the neutral areas um, are, have, you know, so living rooms and kitchens, they just don't have everybody's crap everywhere. Mm, I think there's so much merit to the whole, if your outward area, if your environment is organized and feels um, calm, it really does create that calmness inside as well. Yeah, I think it's just helpful also to think more systematically about what has to happen first and now versus I'm feeling overwhelmed by a bunch of visual noise and chaos and what have you. Mm. Next, I know that nutrition is a big one in your family. What is one of your favorite go-to meals? Um, you know, I think, you know, my middle daughter has really gotten into cooking like stir fries and then coupling it with, with different things. But I, I, this is the easiest answer. If it's like a crazy day and it's something I know everyone will eat, I will then, my go-to would be a one pot meal. So that would mean throwing in a ton of vegetables, some good spices, high, high quality animal protein, and just let it roll all day long. That seems to sometimes get me out of a lot of trouble and nobody will refuse it. So good to have some of those up your sleeve. Last but not least, what is your favorite quote or perhaps some words that you live by? I recently heard, I have so many, um, I, I love Thoreau, but I heard one recently that gets really, it feels really important as your kids are older and just life is moving on. Uh, you know, it's just moving, um, is it was, it was the gist of it was, um, and actually Anthony DeMello talked about it is it's, it's, don't be sad that it's over, you know, be joyful, be, be glad that it ever happened. And I think that can be applied 
to if we've lost people, if our children have grown, um, if we've transitioned from a really positive, maybe professional environment to a new one. Um, I think comparing things sometimes is really natural, but I think this idea of celebrating that we got to experience it at all, there's a real liberation in that. Mm, Absolutely. Well, it's focusing on the end of the stick of having and not the end of the stick that is lack. So really, really important. Thank you for sharing. It has been my pleasure to speak with you today. Where can our community connect with you? Uh, Well, on Instagram, I'm at Gabby Reese. I have a podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. Um, You can see I'm very original with my titles. Um, You're speaking to to Kylie Camps, who has the Kylie Camps podcast. (laughs) No, I know, but, you know, it's just like (laughs) something. It's like... um, I uh, we have a fitness brand called uh, XPT. So if people want to learn about breathing or things like that, they can go to XPT Life. And uh, yeah, awesome. I will pop all of those details in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your time. Well, and thank you for um, your time and um, even sharing your story with me. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.